tourism. So Korji Prefecture is using sports tourism as one of their one of their you know one of the pillars to try and revitalize the prefecture this year and hopefully you know we can we can join forces with them and try and come up with different packages tour packages for people um, that want to come and travel here. Welcome to the Seeking Sustainability live talk show podcast. How's everyone doing today? I hope you're doing well and staying safe wherever you are. In this episode, we're talking about fitness and travel and fitness and revitalizing rural destinations around Japan, which are suffering from population decline and a lack of enthusiasm for innovation and trying new ideas. Violet Pachileo has worked in the UK, the US, and Tokyo, and has now come to her mother's hometown of Otoyo in Kochi Prefecture, which is on Shikoku Island. Violet and her husband hope to start a new business to coincide with Kochi Prefecture's targets for sports tourism. Introducing CrossFit, to the area to create new business destination appeal. Forging a new path is never easy, but I really feel that there's a lot of potential and a lot of promise in Violet's ideas and plans for the area. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Thank you so much for joining Violet. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's wonderful to have you. I'm really excited to talk about all the innovative work that you're doing in this rural community. This is such an important issue in Japan because we have so uh, we have population decline overall, but we have so many rural areas which people are leaving for various reasons. Now, where you are looks so beautiful. And has so much potential for development. And so I'm so excited that you and your family are there and collaborating with so many interesting startups. So let's dive in. <laughs> I'd love to、yeah. um, hear a little bit about your background. Would you mind just giving a, a short introduction of yourself? Yeah, short.、Um, I'm Japanese and British. My dad's. British,、uh, mother's Japanese. I was born in Japan, grew up in both Japan and England, went to UK,、uh, UK university, came back to Japan. And I spent、uh, most of my past last 15 year career in finance, so in the stock market, mostly doing Japanese equities,、um, investing and selling stocks and all sorts of different jobs.、Um, and then my most recent one was with a hedge fund, overseas hedge fund, and I was in the、uh, Japan team. And then、um, I decided to switch careers and do something completely different.、Um, so now I'm living in my mother's ancestral hometown in Otoyo, which is、um, about an hour's flight from Tokyo. It's on one of the southern islands, very rural,、uh, only 3,000 people population,、um, mountains,、uh, only one supermarket. You know, the ki- my, my kids go to a school where there's only 10 kids in each class, each whole. Each year. So it's a very small community.、Um, and it also has all sorts of problems, like you were just saying.、Yeah. Very common but, to Japan. But not, yeah, not alone.、Uh, before we, we talk in more detail about where you are, let's look at the map. So I love that this map is the CrossFit map for Japan because we're going to talk about CrossFit later. So there's two, I assume that's you guys. In Kochi, you have yes. a little too, right? So, yeah, so we were the first ones to affiliate in Kochi, and then somebody else just affiliated as well this month. So,、um, there's going to be two in Kochi, but they're gonna, the other guys were, are a big company and, and they're doing it in,、uh, in the city of, of Kochi. We're、wow. doing it in the mountains. So, it's a slightly different concept. But that's great to have.、Yeah. Two people in one area doing, of course, we have in, I guess, Tokyo area 15,、uh, another area two for 13. Where's 13? Maybe Osaka? Oh, Osaka, Nagoya,、mm-hmm. Kyoto. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. So, this is something we're going to talk about、yeah. a bit more later, but something that's definitely got a lot of potential, a lot of interest in CrossFit, right? 
I think so. I mean, CrossFit was already growing. It's been a growing, um, you know, concept globally for a long time. But I think Japan always slightly slower to catch up on global trends. Um, CrossFit came here 10 years ago, but um, it's been very slow and picking up. And over the last five years, there's a girl called Aya who, who used to be a, a CrossFit coach at Nishiazawa CrossFit. And she, she went on TV and she was really promoting it. And, and I think that really helped to expand um, the popularity of, of CrossFit in Japan. So I think it's still in its growth phase here, especially in this, in this island, uh, on this island. You know, people don't know what CrossFit is. They've seen it on TV. They want to try it. Um, so they're excited to see that we are opening up. Yeah. So uh, I was listening to all the amazing interviews you have been doing and getting ready for this talk. So you talked to Helen Iwata of Sasuda Communications. You talked with Jennifer Shinkai uh, about your Ikigai. Can you uh, talk a little bit about Ikigai? I think that's a great concept. Yeah. So um, I've known Jennifer for a long time um, and um, she was doing this Ikigai um, seminar and I knew about them and I wasn't really happy with my in my previous role and you know I, I was kind of at the point where I wanted to explore my options and you know she invited me to one of her Ikigai um, seminars which really helped me so Ikigai is basically a concept in Japan it's not really a concept it's just the way of life it, it's something that we we are taught from a young age it's a purpose you know purpose of life um, reason for living and it's something that I, I grew up with even though you grow up with it I don't think most people in Japan practice it which is an odd thing um, yeah. but it was good it's, to do the seminar with her it's like finding meaning in your yeah. work in life right and yeah I think that was touched on in your interview with Helen as well as your interview with Jane talking about uh, how you had a very successful career in Tokyo, but you were not happy and you wanted to find a kind of more meaningful work. You knew that this rural area needed more support and more help. Uh, you can trace your own family history back four generations there, is that right? 400 years, so I don't know how many generations that is, but. Yeah, yeah wonderful. And uh, in the NHK presentation that you did with NHK World, you also were talking to people in the tea industry who have uh, followed their traditions for 700 years. And you yeah. have yuzu farms, you know, where 300 years or longer. So there's so much rich heritage and culture there. Um, but of course, people are leaving. There's a lot of abandoned houses. It's really interesting place to start new business. I love your idea about there's so much potential because there's nothing here. So you can do whatever you want. I love yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. And everything is very cheap, especially if you're used to living in big cities around the world. Um, you come here and then you realize that standard of cost of living, standard of living also is, is very different. Um, I did a, I, you know, I came across some data on the government, central government's website in Japan one, at one point, and they had listed all the, I think, 2,000 or more or more towns and villages of Japan in terms of, um, I think it was either economic value or income value, and Otoya ranks 10 from the bottom. So it's a very, um, and part of that probably because a lot of them are elderly, and then maybe they're on it on pension. I have no idea, but um, it's not the most wealthiest place. My niece came to visit recently, and then she compared Otoe to um, the countryside in Thailand. You know, tin shacks, and um, this is not your traditional rich onsen district that people may think of. This is the the real rural Japan, economically depressed, tin shacks everywhere, you know, people don't have the money to, if, if their traditional wooden house deteriorates, they don't have the money to renovate it. So they would use any material that they can get their hands on to, to you know, to fix the problem. And that's been going on since after World War II. So the scenery in Otoyo is not, not the best, not something people may imagine. 
But having said that, the nature is still here and there's so much untouched, untouched and untapped, um, you know, nature and, and it's just, it's very beautiful. Yeah. Like you, you mentioned uh, your dream is to have a CrossFit facility overlooking the, the valley because of the low uh, clouds that you can see in the morning, like a magical mist. You've got this yeah. amazing river there. So in terms of nature, there's so much value there. And yeah. that's very, very unlike many of the rural areas which are struggling. If they don't have that nature, they have a much harder time to yeah. revitalize. So at, at least you have that that good foundation, right? Yes, definitely. And we're very lucky that we have one of the best water rafting rivers running through this town. And this is where it basically started in Japan. And, and they don't, people, because I guess because of the edu, I mean, I don't want to be rude. I don't want to come across rude, but I, I guess because of the education level here or the lack of education, people don't know how to promote what they have. They've got so much great, um, you know, things they can promote about this area, but just, it's just not being done. So the river is very beautiful. Actually, that picture you've got up there is not Altair. That was a picture taken where we went down to one of the other towns down south. Oh, sorry. That's oh, the no. that's the ocean. We don't have any ocean around here, but yeah, it is beautiful. It, it, you know, the whole Kochi prefecture is um, very untouched and. Um, you don't see a lot of rubbish like you do everywhere else. We went to um, Shoroshima last year because my grandmother's from there and I used to go there as a, as a child and I was shocked to see so much rubbish on in the in the water, in the ocean, on the beach. You don't see that here in Otoyo. Um, probably yeah, because I... we just don't have visitors. But. <laughs> Well, that's no, that's good to hear because I talked to uh, Dave Enright in Hakuba, who yeah. runs Outdoor Adventure Center, and he's constantly doing riverside cleanup. So mm. even in pristine areas around Japan, you still have the plastic pollution litter problem in the river. So if you don't yeah. have that there, no. that's a huge selling point. That's wonderful. Now, this is your local river, right? Yes, that's our local okay. river. Good, I got it. <laughs> um, it's, it's sorry about that. Uh, no, so okay. we've had a question about CrossFit. So tell us what is CrossFit and how you got interested in it and how you think it would be a great thing to do in Otoyo. What is CrossFit is something I'm going to have to read off this because there's a way of saying it. Hold on. <laughs> got me put me on the spot sorry <laughs> and get told off anyone that's crossfit watching this <laughs> because we get tested on this um let me see there is a sentence i have to read i've been watching your uh exercise videos uh you do short videos on instagram if anybody's yeah. interested you're also starting a facebook page called otoyo strength yeah. So there's your projects and ideas from there if people want to check it out, right? Yes. Okay. Yes. So what what so is CrossFit? What is CrossFit? CrossFit is a it's it's this isn't it. Sorry. Carry on. Carry on. Sorry. That's okay. Okay. <laughs> I will continue. I was yeah. watching your uh, video with you and your you and your husband as well. You've been getting some local media attention, which is nice. Yeah. To see. Yeah, we, we've had quite a few local TV stations and newspapers write about us and um, that's been great. You know, we, our facility is still not ready. So I feel like the promotion is get going, you know, going first and the facility is not following. So it, it's now, one happening. Of, very one fast. of the things I heard you talk about with Jane, Transformations with Jane, yeah. is that finding the facility is difficult because part of CrossFit, you do deadlifts. And you have to find mm. somewhere that has floors that can handle the weights. Is that yeah? Right? Yes. So let me just read. Some. CrossFit is a constantly varied functional movement performed at high intensity. So basically, CrossFit is a. It's kind of like a what how I promote it in Japan is. It's a semi personal, um, personal lesson. Um, so you have you know two coaches, maybe a class of ten. And it's all done class-based. You can't just come and do CrossFit unless you're very experienced. 
So you come to a class and it's a 60 minute program. You do like five minute warm up. Everybody does the same program for the day. So the coach will write the program on the board and you have to um, do, do, you do it all together in the class. And if you can't do, for example, a, a you know, 50 push-ups, then you just have to scale it down to what you can do. So CrossFit is, is a bunch of um, Olympic weightlifting movements, gymnastics movements, weightlifting, and high-intensity HIIT workout, all put together in one class in, in a 60-minute session. And the, co the concept is, you know, you have to do different, like constantly varied movements. So you don't do the same thing in a routine. Your body needs to be challenged and put through different, uh, you know, intensity workouts um, on a daily basis to challenge yourself. You don't want to get into that routine. So that, that's the concept of CrossFit. There are, um, you know, some CrossFit athletes that when they become so high level, they can transition over to the Olympics. Some people have done that. Or if they get injured from an Olympic team sport or Olympic sport, they'll transition into CrossFit. So it's a very versatile um, workout program. It's, it's basically something that trains an athlete to do their sport better, I think. That's awesome. Um, I also saw that you went to the, so there's so much potential, I think for sure. Um, if people want to come and have a workcation, they want to have some exercise classes, or they want to just focus on fitness for a, a couple weeks and really make a difference like physically and mentally. I think it's yeah. got so much potential. What a great idea. Yeah. Fitness retreat is something that the industry has been growing globally. It hasn't taken off in Japan yet. There's a few yoga retreats popping up here and there, but I think the whole concept of fitness retreat is still um, is not, you know, not something people understand. But the word they use in Japan is sports tourism. So Koji Prefecture is using sports tourism as one of their, uh, one of their, you know, one of the pillars to try and revitalize the prefecture this year. And hopefully, you know, we can we can join forces with them and try and come up with different packages, tour packages for people um, that want to come and travel here. So because, you know, we offer, Oteo has every, any, every water sport you can imagine. So we've got white water rafting, we've got canoeing, kayaking, stand up paddleboard, you know, canyoning. And, uh, you know, that's just the water side, you can swim. Also, um, you can go hiking, there's mountain biking, uh, trail running, there's all sorts of stuff. Um, and then also, I, but I love yeah. the the trip that you did to the abandoned school and cleaning the floors. <laughs> and I thought, if you're doing like a fitness retreat, then cleaning all the floors is quite a workout, isn't it? <laughs> that was hard. That was really hard. And the lady that I I did that with, she beat me, and she doesn't do CrossFit, but she's a, a canoe. She does canoeing and kayaking every day, so she's quite strong. But she, I think she's twenties. I don't know, maybe she's 15, 10, 15, 20 years older than me. So I was shocked. Yeah, That's she's very amazing. fit. And I've seen you like doing your barbell exercises and stuff outside. Um, yeah. Being, being next to that roaring river, of course, you've got maybe some mosquitoes or something, but uh, what a beautiful location to exercise. There's some mosquitoes is, uh, you know, <laughs> um, it, mosquitoes, there's horse flies, there's hornets, there's you know, poison spiders, if you're scared of those, I don't think this is a place for you. But, you know, you know it, they, they, they exist, but they don't really come and pester you that much. So our facility, so my, um, I applied for a government restructuring grant and it just got approved on Friday last week. So it's 60 million yen grant. And then I'm putting another extra 60 million in on top of that. So it'd be a $1.2 million investment roundabout. Um, and um, we, I met with my architect yesterday. I've got a one and a half thousand square meter space that I'm going to, um, well, my architects and I'm going to redesign. Um, there's going to be a 200 square meter uh, CrossFit warehouse and then a small tiny house next door where people can stay in to maybe up to four people, double bed upstairs where you can, where it's going to overlook the river. And then maybe a um, you know like a sofa bed downstairs, and then um, we're going to have an event space, barbecue space, um, fire pit, um, river overlook. Um, I'm going to redo the town's 
concrete stairs that's going down to the river because it's broken and the town doesn't want to fix it. <laughs> so I told them I would do that. So I'm going to do that. Um, it's really exciting. You know, I spoke to the architect about the design of this. You know, I'm, I'm leaning towards having a wooden traditional Japanese, you know, Kominka style warehouse um, and then a, a Kominka style, but modern Japanese look tiny house because initially I was thinking uh, it's American concept CrossFit so why don't we do an American building with an American steel structure warehouse with like a container house next door but then I thought that's just going to ruin the scenery because we're in a nice Japanese countryside area you know I shouldn't drop in something that doesn't belong here it needs to fit in with the scenery so I'm leaning towards doing it in, in, in a modern in terms of tourism that has I think more appeal as well. I saw that you renovated uh, the house that you're living in now. Yeah. Uh, in this talk show series, there's been a lot of talks about house renovation, house remodel, using the traditional aesthetic, yeah. but adding insulation, adding you know comforts like modern toilets and modern mm. baths and beautiful views. So you can take the Japanese traditional look but make it more comfortable and it adds so much appeal not just yeah. for international visitors but for japanese visitors as well yeah yes yeah that I, i'm i'm glad i i'm moving away from the whole container house uh, concept um because i love but, the the yeah. reason why i decided on the the wooden house is i just recently filmed another episode for nhk world and um i'm going to be doing all their uh, genkai shiraka series from now on so I went to a, another marginalized town in a d different prefecture and we stayed in a really nice like onsen district and it had a very nice like you know what do you call that it's like a burnt wood look house like dark brown I think it's called burnt yakisugi Yak yakisugi. yakisugi yeah it's it's beautiful I yeah. love it yeah I I love that so that's the I took loads of photos I showed it to my architect yesterday and She's a woman, I have to point out that I always use women for everything. And uh, it's a female architect and um, uh, I showed her the photos and um, yeah, I think we're gonna go towards that, that theme. That's awesome. Yeah, you can see that now even in, when I visit Kamakura or yeah. Kyoto, you can see yakisugi, the black wood, which has been burnt, which makes it more fire resistant and hard wearing. Um, it's it's a great like traditional look which has come back in popularity. Mm. Um, so in your NHK TV presenting, I'm so glad to see that you're doing more of it. Uh, you were <laughs> introducing some of the local products and local innovators who are starting starting businesses up again or starting new businesses. So you were talking to a local Australian who's doing the rafting. Yeah, we were talking to a local tea farmer who was the only one who kept going after 700 years. Yeah, amazing. So there's there's so much excitement. I think passionate people around you to hopefully move ahead mm. into this next stage. Do you, I, I hope so. Um, mm. I think. Mark is actually not the owner of Happy Raft, but uh, um, he started Happy Raft. Him and his wife started Happy Raft, but um, it's a Japanese couple that owns it now. Um, yeah, I mean, it's exciting. There's, there's probably about, I don't know, maybe six or seven rafting companies alone down in this town. But I feel like there's no collaboration going on between all the different businesses. And that might be the same issue around across Japan in rural areas. It's the lack of, um, what's the word? Um, tomese, what's the word for tomese? I'm forgetting my English words because I'm always speaking Japanese. Um, you know, there's no communication between different businesses. And I think uh, if I can cross that bridge, we might be able to bring people together and come up with more innovation. Yeah. And I'm doing, something similar with Korchi University. They've got the same idea. Um, Korchi University has a team of people that come in here, students and professors, and also 
um, people from Tokyo, they'll come in and they, they try and come up with different ideas to revitalize this town because, you know, as you know, this town is the first town in the whole of Japan to be named uh, Genkai Shiraku or marginalized town where the population has been declining very rapidly. Um, you know, people are moving out, young people that people that are educated are moving out, the, pe the ones that don't get educated stay here. So it's like a really bad cycle, you know, it doesn't, doesn't get re revitalized. The economy just gets worse and worse, uh, no money coming in. So they're predicting, you know, population to decline to 800 people from th current 3,000 within the next 10 to 20 years. So it's a huge issue. Anyway, so I'm getting this um, sidetracked. No, so no, that's, University. that's something that I, I wanted to touch on with, especially with yeah. university students and declining populations. Uh, also in Shikoku, we have Kamikatsu in Tokushima and yeah. they are trying some zero waste initiatives, bringing new business in and doing zero waste initiatives as a way to create appeal for visitors and new residents. Mm. Now, one of the things that they were struggling with with population decline is they had no high school, they had no hospital, and they had no old folks home. So mm. in Otoyo, is it is it similar? Uh, we take two of those things you just mentioned. So no high school, no um, um, old people's home. There's a hospital, though. So that that explains the rapid decline in population, because as people be, it becomes too difficult to live on their own as they get older, they move into the cities where they have the old folks homes or they move closer to a, a hospital. Right. Yeah. Um, and that's there's nothing you can do about that in terms of being an innovator and and trying to, you know, create a revitalized rural area. Um, mm. Your your husband also had kind of an emergency, and you were talking a little bit about that in John Dobbs' video, right? Emergency. So he had oh. surgery or oh. something on his, on his arm? Yeah. I mean, oh, he went through emergencies every single month when we first moved here last year. So he cut, I can't even remember where he cut, but he had to have stitches like every month on different parts of his body. Cause I guess he's never been a farmer and he had to do all this farming. Um, yeah, so and he wasn't what, paying attention. What happened? Like, do you airlift people out if they have an emergency, if there's yes. a hospital? Well, we didn't get him, but he, yes, there, there's a helicopter landing. So if it's really serious, they'll bring the helicopters in, helicopter in. Um, but in the case of my husband, he's a medic. He's, he still has the medic license in the US. So he has a medic kit. He's like, I'm just not, you know, I'm not gonna wait around for a medic, a Japanese medic to come and fix my arm. I'm just gonna go into my kit and oh fix my myself God. and you wow. can drive me. So I started driving him. And the problem is Japanese hospitals won't see you in this area, in, in rural areas. They won't see you if, they, if you don't get brought in by a, uh, an ambulance. Oh my goodness. So we got turned away by so many and I'm trying to call around trying to see if anyone would take him in and then we finally found one so we were talking, I drove him. They told me to call an ambulance next time. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that's that's a big issue. But if you have your husband is a medic at least for mm. other people that that's kind of you feel more at ease if something were to happen. But yeah. yeah, that's definitely something you hope a, a young innovator would bring a clinic into the area or something, right? Yeah, I mean, we have multiple clinics, but they won't see you in emergency situations. I think, I mean, there's so many issues and I don't, I don't know, you know, there's no one fix. There's no way to fix everything with one thing. I think there's multiple things we need to do, but I think the main issue is the way of thinking, the, the local people aren't um, accepting of change. They don't like change. They don't want to change. They don't like new ideas. They don't like people coming from outside, you know, let, telling you what to do. Um, and I think that's been the issue for this town specifically. I have met, you know, Kamikaze is a very famous area where they're doing great things. It's a great example. Um, but it's very rare to, to see towns like that. There are some towns in Kochi that are doing that But don't give up because they, they've yeah. been doing it since 2003. 
Yeah. You know, they have a very long history of trying to innovate and bring a new brand to the area. And they've Mm. had loads of struggles. Uh, Let's talk about what you do have, what merits you do have. So I love the idea of the local tea and the owner that you were talking to in the in the special, the NHK special, was explaining about this goishi cha. Yeah. And it was named after the game Go. I found that yeah. fascinating. Yeah. Um, so I guess this is one way the town has been trying to to brand this as an auto product and, and try and um, revitalize this area. Um, and I, and I, I was told that there is only one or perhaps two areas in Japan that double ferment tea in this way. So it's got slightly like a sour taste to it and it's meant to be good for you because of the fermentation, um, you know, good for your gut, um, good for your health. And um, it's, it's quite expensive. I can't remember how, how, I think I've just bought like 100 grams to give to my NHK world director as a gift. And it was, I think it was about two, two or 3,000 yen for a small bag. Wow. Well, this is another point of similarity with Kamikatsu. They have Kamikatsu Banja, a yeah. fermented tea from Kamikatsu. And I visited a tea factory in Hiroshima the other day, tea factory Gen, and he has his own tea field and he roasts his own leaves using really old machines. It was really yeah. fascinating. But he, of course, knows about Kochi's bancha as well yeah. and this kind of tea. And I love how this tea uh, owner right now is talking about new ideas. He wants to make sparkling tea. You know, there's a, it's great to hear that because, like you said, change is really hard. And I don't think that's just the rural area. That's That's true anywhere in Japan, anywhere in the world, maybe. Um, so it's it's nice to hear that there is some local people thinking about innovation in this way. I love it. Yeah, yeah. No, th- I think there's pockets of people all over Auto that are trying to do their own things. I think the next challenge is to bring people together and do it in a in a bigger group. So that that would be yeah. the next step. Another thing I I love to point out, because these are features of sustainability, right? Local products, using local methods. Uh, Your husband talked about uh, raising or growing all the yuzu organically. But there is a frustration (laughs) because um, the the organic yuzu and the regular yuzu is all lumped together and it doesn't get more money, even though it's grown naturally. Well, that's something that you can start with branding and changing, Mm. especially for the international market who understands about organic. Organic is definitely better for you, but also for the local area. Yeah. Yeah. That would be something JA will need to think about. Yes. Well, bypass JA. This is something we talk about with natural farmers in the series. Yeah. You know, that you you find a customer who understands and values natural products or organic products, and you sell mm. to them directly. Um, yeah. I love your concept of wanting to give local farmers more than 10%. That's not right. If, yeah. if they're only getting 10% of the sale price, that's just something that needs to be rectified. Hopefully, you know, yeah. if you or other people start selling the products, that they can get more value mm. for their hard work, right? Yeah, I, I'm seeing two issues with that, the way the town is doing that. One is some of the farmers, have the older ones have said, you know, we're not going to just just forget it let's just leave the yuzu so there's mountains of yuzu just being unharvested the second problem is that um god i've forgotten now <laughs> that was the second problem um so yeah the, the people are just not aren't bothering with that anymore or, oh, oh yeah and the second issue is that because they don't want just the 10 percent, they're bypassing ja so i'm i'm sure you know like ja's um supply is going down because a lot of farmers all across Japan, not just Kochi, are not happy with the way JA are being run. So that's a completely, you know, different subject. I'm, I don't know much about it. No, no. We yeah. had uh, Todd Van Horn was talking about in Wakayama, the ume industry. 
the yeah. the plums and a very similar story how the big companies were kind of controlling the price and the local farmers lost interest because they weren't getting any benefit for all the hard yeah. work yeah so there are examples from all over let's let's go back to the university connection though mm. because in uh shikoku kagawa area there are the islands and do you know the art festival Yes, they're yeah, bringing yeah. university students from Tokyo and Osaka to take over some of the abandoned houses and run art mm. um, at like exhibitions from the houses. And that's a great way to get people to not only visit the island, but also have students going back and forth, setting up the art installations for much longer that's than a good just idea. the event time. So that might work for you yeah. too. Yeah, that is a good idea. That's interesting because I want I was going to approach J JR Shikoku and start a small um, photo gallery in one of the abandoned um, stations because my granddad used to be work for JR before it became JR when it was still owned by the government. And he's got loads of photos from, you know, I don't know, like 70, 80 years ago um, of various stations and various workers so i just wanted to have an exhibition of that at the local abandoned station That's and then awesome. the other thing i yeah um approached yutorista park with it's a government-owned park at the top of the mountain there's a, uh, a building that not being utilized and they were complaining that you know the visitor numbers are going down and i said well why don't you use that facility to have um, local photos or local, you know, art or something showcased. Um, that I don't think it's going to go anywhere. You know, low I've, I'm starting to find that people around here will say yes, 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 and then it yeah. doesn't happen. <laughs> well, keep keep but, plugging away, keep plugging away, because you you can't give up hope. And just remember, every conversation you have, you are planting a seed. And the yeah. next time they hear about that or they think of a connection to what you said, mm. it's going to grow a little bit. And then the next time you mention it, it might be a little bit more receptive on the yeah. side, right? Yeah. yeah. So don't don't give up. Keep talking yeah. about it. I'm, I'm meeting the univer Court University professors tomorrow and um, they're going to introduce me to this local couple who's... Um, revitalize their little area i think it's about 10 minutes drive from here and they're going to introduce us and see if we can collaborate on things and i was going to suggest you know doing a, an art gallery or i think they already have a small art gallery but it's just not promoted but doing maybe like a photography i'm, I'm so i love photography of local areas from you know 100 years ago and we've got so many photos in this house yeah. so and i'm sure awesome. lots of other people have that's yeah. awesome. And having uh, places to stay, like your friend who have renovated the old school, having cheap places to stay, you can offer maybe free accommodation to people coming and helping at the user farm or people mm. coming who are resident artists who could do art projects for your area. So there, once you have places people can stay yeah. and local activities, I think you'll start seeing people come after vaccines have happened after borders have opened, right? Mm. Another thing I loved seeing is the Ginbudo Zushi. Because yeah. if you're going to do CrossFit, you want to have local sources of protein. And plant-based protein is much better for the environment. It's good for your health. And so it was so nice to see that you have a local product, which is vegan, plant-based. Everybody can eat it. It's gluten-free as well. So this will really appeal, especially to the international market, who is really focused on health when they travel or international residents in Japan. So it's always good to have at least one option, which is from the local area, which is not meat or fish. And this is really hard in Japan. This is very difficult in other areas. There's I think a lot of... Yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I I do understand the concept of vegetarianism or veganism or all sorts of other things, you know, is not a concept people here will understand, especially in rural areas. However, this town, economically depressed, you know, far away from the ocean, 
um, people grow up not eating much protein. It's all plant-based. It's always been like that. And the only meat they ever had, like my, my mother growing up here after, you know, World War II, um, there was no, no one had, no one had cars. They didn't have supermarkets. They didn't have trucks that drove through. So you had to be self-sufficient. So the only meat she had was whale meat. And I know people don't like eating whale meat globally, but that's the only source of protein people had in Kochi and fish. And that was it. And everything else was just plant-based. But, so, but you have yeah. plant-based protein right here. You have the perfect combination of rice and beans. If everybody around the world ate rice and beans, yeah. we wouldn't have global warming. You know, it's the perfect combination of carbs well, and protein. The animal emission isn't the only emission that's causing global warming though. And I don't think that's the number one cause, is it? I can't remember. I remember it's, reading research on it because I did ESG. You know, but it's, from an, it's an option and just say, yeah, there's lots of sources of carbon, but what we eat has a big impact on the environment and our society. So the fact that there are beans grown, this is very unusual for Japan. So this is a great feature of sustainability in yeah. your local area, yeah. which yeah. is wonderful to see that you have it right there. It's a mm. great local resource. So yeah. it would be wonderful but, to see that promoted more. Yeah, I think, uh, well, Gimbaro isn't produced that there's only one farmer that's making it. And um, he's one of the politicians and he's trying to push this product. And I, I tried it and it tastes like a very high end bean that you might taste in a Kyoto style dish. Um, and it, it, you know, cause I eat a lot of black beans, um, Brazilian style, <laughs> but it tastes, it's not as wet, I guess. It's, it's very dry. It's something that you might taste in a Japanese sweet, you know, those really sweet bean that you might get on top of a Japanese cake. That's what it tastes like. Um, yeah. It's quite dry, big. Well, I'd, but... I'd love to come and, and help develop some recipes because yeah. this, this having a local plant-based protein is so unusual, I'm telling you. So if we can expand on the fact that you have something there, which is grown right there, it doesn't have to be imported. That's a that's a big potential. Yeah. Uh, let's let's talk about um, the Burakuji Temple that you visited for local attractions as well. Yeah. I thought that was so interesting. Can you tell us? Isn't about it? That? Yeah, I thought that was very interesting too. And the crew, the NHK crew, commented that it's very unusual to be allowed in. Anybody's allowed in if you make a book in, and to touch the building that's so old, that's a, a national treasure. They said, if you see national treasures in Kyoto or somewhere else in Nara, you're not allowed to go in, you're not allowed to go anywhere near it. There's usually, a ro it's roped off. But here, nobody knows it's there. It's not promoted, there's no signs. You go there, you can you know, ask the priest to be shown in and he'll show you in, it's amazing. But I think it was built in uh, 1700, so what, 1300, 1400 years ago. And this too, it, they showed this one, but there's actually another one um, close to, uh, closer to where I live as well. So there's two of these in, in this town. Um, absolutely beautiful inside. Um, it's amazing that it's, it's just, uh, there's no damage to it. Yeah, really interesting. I love the, the whole story about the wooden Buddha yeah. um, and how the wooden Buddha is really special because it's leaning forward a little bit. So mm. what the priest was saying is uh, people feel more comforted by kind of a more human style pose instead of such a rigid, maybe sit up straight kind of Buddha. And the yeah. fact that it's made all of beautiful wood, I love it. Yeah, it's, it's amazing to see something so old that's not damaged like this. And he was saying, I don't know if it was him, but somebody was saying that, you know, the, the sculptor obviously modeled this on somebody. So there was a model and that person must have had a bent, slightly bent over back. Um, so it's interesting to see that on this Buddha. Yeah, it has such a kind face too. I don't have the picture from the front, um, but when you were on the NHK program, um, you were in front of this 
this um, Buddhist statue for a while. And the, the priest was saying, whenever he looks at it, it makes him smile and want to pray. And I thought that was so gorgeous. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's so let's also talk about the cafe because the cafe I thought was really interesting. Um, that you yeah, went to it, it's a shame they've closed down. Oh no! Oh no! Yeah. Well, it yeah. might just talking about it might give somebody else an idea. We need so, a cafe because we don't have a cafe in this town anymore. Oh, <laughs> see, any entrepreneurs out there? If you have an idea to we run this uh, eatery, that would yeah. be very welcome. Um, I love the fact that they were using the local tea in their cakes and uh, serving it. So using local products, yeah. promoting local products in local eateries. This is also a wonderful thing about sustainability, but it's also great branding for the area, yeah. right? Nobody wants to go to the middle of nowhere and have the same food that you would eat in Tokyo. What's the point, mm. right? Yeah. Yeah, that, and that's the point that I've been pitching to the town mayor and the town um, town hall um, on using more local locally produced products and then putting the farmer's face on the menu or on the board outside and say, okay, today we're using this farmer's product and it's going to be cucumbers and nasi and whatever, you know, and, and list it. Um, but the whole, that in, in itself, the concept of that hasn't come here yet they don't understand that and i think the only way i can get people to understand is to maybe do a tour get a group of people from this town take them into a, a different area that's doing all, all those you know sustainability and how to promote local products and incorporate it into restaurant menus get them to see it for themselves and then come back. Otherwise, me just saying to them, okay, you need to do this and this and this. And no matter how many presentations I create, no matter how many times I pitch to them, they're not going to change. So that's the issue I'm facing. But, but let me let me just yeah. say again, you are planting a seed. Uh, don't get too frustrated. Don't give up hope. <laughs> Trying to keep saying it positively over yeah. and over you know but in a non-pressure way it's so difficult but it's it's something i've i've learned how to do over the years just through practice yeah so every every time i ask uh could you make this dish it's so it looks so nice could you make it without meat or fish like i do that at restaurants uh when i consult with businesses oh do you think you could do this but maybe use less plastic packaging or less plastic bags you know you just oh you can't okay no problem but you're planting the seed and you're, mm. you're trying to do it in a very soft pressure kind of way that and is think, so opposite from my personality that i struggle with that <laughs> i struggled I, I with it for a long time softly. too yeah but it it takes more That's pressure it takes pressure off you too yeah it's for your benefit as well as for the others, you know? Yeah. And I no, think I that style works well in Japan. So, yeah. I know, I know. And everybody keeps telling me, and I understand. But I'm not going to change the way I am. I'm just going to yeah. just run with it. Yeah. Nobody's asking you to change who you no, are. But no, I, I, know. I, I understand that in Japan, you have to speak softly, you know, you, you can't be confrontational and, you know, you can't come across too strong because people put a barrier up. And I understand all those concepts, but this is just the way I am. And um, I guess that's why, you know, it's taking a long time to move forward. But that's one of the reasons why I decided to do the CrossFit alone, because it, initially I approached the local town to see if I could use their facility. And they showed, not the town, but the prefecture showed me around. But the town's got all sorts of different reasons why they can't lend it to a private company for private profits. So I thought, I'm not, I'm, you know, I don't, and then they must, you know, and then I pitched my idea to various people and to the mayor, but it just wasn't going nowhere and it moves very slowly. And I thought, I just thought, I'm just going to use my own land, my mom's land, and do it myself, just use my own money. I don't want to rely on anybody. And that's how I'm getting these projects moving forward if i rely on these people nothing's ever going to get done well yeah just just keep in mind that you've planted the seed you've done mm. what you could um but 
but try for your own sake as well to to duck and dive and choose the path of least resistance, right? So like you said, you have your own land, you have your own, you know, funding, or you can get funding from outside. And mm. then in the end, everybody's going to say thank you and appreciate all this hard work that you've done. And, yeah. you know, like, because you haven't forced other people to change, you've, you've done it kind of a roundabout way and getting I think, things done. Yeah, I think my view now is... Um, I don't care about resistance. They can resist all they want. I'm still going to do my thing. If they like it, whether they like it or not, you know, I'm still going to do it. And then eventually I'm hoping they can see the change I've brought to this town and then they will follow because there's no point in me wasting my time trying to change people's mindsets that doesn't want to change. They think there's nothing broken. They think that there's nothing to be fixed because nothing's broken. That's what they keep telling me every day. So I'm just going to put them to the side and do my own thing. Because if I don't have a strong personality and if I start speaking softly to these people, they'll just walk all over me. That's just the way I feel. So... I have to keep strong. I, I hear your yeah. frustration. I understand it, especially as a woman in Japan trying to get things done. And I heard this in your other interviews as well, is there's a lot of perception of women's roles, mother's roles should be like this. And it feels even stronger sometimes in the older communities in the rural area. Yeah, so, I, I see a lot of yeah. that. I don't think I apply because I don't think people see me as the traditional wife material. So I don't think they see me as that. But I think if they saw me as that person, I don't think anybody would listen to me. I don't think I would have gotten this far. I don't think I would get meetings with the mayor. I don't think the prefecture would be seeing me. I don't think all these other people would want to come and talk to me if I was the perceived as the, the soft-spoken traditional wife. Yeah. Well, remember that one benefit that you have because you guys are multilingual, multicultural family and you do speak Japanese and English, you are promoting what you're doing to the outside world. Once tourism comes back to Japan, this is your power. People will respect you more because tourism has a lot of value and a lot of power in influence in Japan, especially for rural areas. Yeah, so just, but just keep plugging away. Yeah, I think tourism is something Kochi Prefecture puts a lot of um, focus on. But in terms of GDP and in terms of where the money is coming from, tourism is not the number one moneymaker in this town. And I don't think it will ever be. You've got all sorts of rafting people and 40,000 people come through this town every year, but money isn't being spent in this town. And even if they do spend money in this town, I don't think that's going to be the game changer for revitalizing the town. So I need to come up with different ways other than tourism. Tourism is great. I'm not going to deny. And I really do appreciate people visiting here and spending their money. But I think we do also need to look for other ways of um, bringing investment into this town. Yeah, bringing yeah. people that want to live. and But tourism can play a role in part of that, right? Like when I talked to Byron Nagy and his wife who moved out of Tokyo to the rural areas, their big suggestion to anybody thinking about moving out to the rural area was go and visit, go and stay, spend a week there. Well, if there's nowhere to stay, it's going to be difficult for people to move out there if they can't stay and experience a little taste of it, right? yeah. So tourism is a part of getting new residents as well as getting visitors. And hopefully you can have enough there, which it sounds like you're really building a lot of options there where people could stay longer. And that is a real key to getting people to come back again and again, as well as to become residents or maybe buy a, a summer house and come mm. back every summer or buy, yeah. a, you know? So, so there's a boy that, and I'm probably really saying he's a boy, but there's a, there's a guy that I met um, this week. He moved to Otoya with his wife. He's, he's in his twenties, I think. Um, but he, he um, runs this MPO that helps young people in the cities. Um, who may be struggling with ikigai, 
to come to the to Orteo and spend a week, and then he does coaching for them for the next uh, three months online. When they go back to figure out what they want to do in life, you know, are they happy in in their jobs? Do they want to move somewhere else? Do they want to? And it's not always about moving to the countryside, but he just tries to give them a break from the city. And he's such he's got such a great concept, and he started to buy some of these old properties, and he said he built a new one too. Um, with the local uh, construction partner and um, he rents these places out and I think he's got a great concept so if, I'm, I'm starting to find these people in this town that are doing great things and I think the next step like I keep saying is to bring the the different people community together and create something bigger so we can provide uh, a, a better option for innovation yeah definitely well you have so much there uh you have a great foundation a great base to build from you have a beautiful area you have local products like tea and beans like i said and uh other other products i'm sure which i don't know about yet um but you you do have other innovators and people coming in doing new tea plantations for example or doing the the rafting. So when you when you talk about people bringing people for rafting, because they have hired local people, that also benefits the local economy, right? The people doing the rafting don't they live there? So they're <clears throat> spending money locally. It does help, um, and they're paying taxes, which does help with the local economy as well so having and then having that appeal of local businesses local things to do like rafting or going to the tea plantation or you know going to the temple these are all really important parts of your destination brand so mm. yeah don't underestimate all this great value of natural environment and what you do have sounds great and a great place to launch new ideas from. So I really want to encourage you. Yeah, no, it's it's going to be a very exciting journey now that the grant's been approved and moving forward. We're starting um, classes, temporary location classes in an old abandoned school arena from July as well. So that's going to be exciting for the tourists that want to come through Oteo. We're going to be doing tourist uh, classes at Yudorista Park. It's a, a, a nice mountaintop facility. It's got campground, lodges, heated floorboards. You can bring your dog. Um, so we'll be doing classes there overlooking the sea of clouds. So there's going to there's gonna be lots of exciting things coming. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm really grateful that you had me on your show today. Oh, it's so great to have you. And I, I do, I feel I feel your frustration and I understand it and I see it a lot. I see it a lot with innovators, especially in rural areas around Japan. And I feel it. I'm in Hiroshima. You know, so much stuff is happening in Tokyo or Osaka or Fukuoka. So, you know, we just have to keep planting those seeds of ideas. Yeah. Keep thinking about what we do have that we could promote and keep encouraging people around you who are also trying to move in an innovative way and try mm. to collaborate with them and, and support each other. And uh, hopefully also outside people will support what you're doing. And when you have outside interest, sometimes that's an easier way to change the atmosphere locally. Yeah. Um, do you know Yayoi Kusama? I love this story. Yayoi Kusama... No. The famous artist um, for pop culture. You see all her polka dot art everywhere mm. around Japan and around the world. Uh, if you go to Naoshima, you see the polka dot pumpkins, right? So that's Yayoi Kusama. Now, she was never accepted for her radical, crazy art in Japan until she went to New York. And she was appreciated abroad and people loved her art. And then her small rural town in Japan said, come back, come back. We love you now. Right. So just keep that in mind that what you're doing has bigger value than your small area. And yeah. once people come in or appreciate from abroad, you will start to be able to make progress mm. on the local area. So please. Yeah. Keep up yeah. the good work. Yeah. 
Fight Thank the good you. Fight. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm a consultant by trade. That's my job. I know you're promoting the Altair Strength to me, which is great. But that's a business that I'm building that I'm going to hire people to do. So with the consulting side, you know, I consult local uh, governments and local um, small businesses. So that's my way of trying to revitalize these not just this town, but all over Japan. Well, I, I look forward to collaborating with you as well, because I've been collecting these stories from rural development all over Japan. And there are a lot of great examples of innovation success. So I hope to collaborate with you in the future yeah. and, and yeah. help support what you're doing. Thank you. No, it's been great. Good. Well, thank you so much for joining and for sharing your your struggles, but also your new ideas. I'm really excited for all the big changes that are going to happen there for you. Yeah. Thank you. I, I want to check in again in six months and see where things are after coronavirus yeah. is a little bit over, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It'll be interesting to see what's going to happen. Yeah. Well, thank you everybody for joining today. Uh, looks like we had a lot of fans from Japan and the US and New Zealand as well. So wonderful to see you all here. Uh, Thanks for joining today. What was your favorite part? Why don't you write a question or comment below and I'll reply or I'll get the guests to reply as well. Love to hear from you. Have a great day. Take care.